Welcome to the podcast channel of the East Bay Unity Intergroup of Overeaters Anonymous. The opinions expressed here are those of individual members and do not represent OA as a whole. For more information about our intergroup, please visit our website at eastbayoa.org. So um, I'm always not clear exactly what to say. And, you know, it's easy to talk, but it's not always easy to walk. And I think that the important thing for me to remember and for everyone to remember is that this isn't a program of self-improvement. Um, it's a program of self-acceptance, and it's a program of self-discovery, and it's a program of getting out of myself and being willing to reach out to others. So I'm not trying to be a perfect person, and anybody who knows me would say, ha, 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 please don't even discuss that word in the same sentence with your name. Um, but in, in Voices of Recovery, it says um, today, and um, it says that only um, if you're spiritually fit can you be abstinent. And this is an interesting idea. Um, I think that, you know, it's, it's hard to know, chicken and egg, what comes first? I could never be spiritually fit. Um, I don't even know what spiritual fitness means. Does anyone know what it means? Um, I think maybe it means that part of me that's willing to experience discomfort without going to the food, that ability to um, stay in the present moment, that ability to have hope in the face of despair, and that um, willingness to just pick myself up and to try again. Um, so <clears throat> I think I would like to speak about abstinence. I, I don't know why that comes to my mind today, um, but it's because I came here wanting to be free of the compulsion. I think by the time I got here the last time, I didn't care if I ever lost another pound, as long as I didn't have to suffer so deeply from overeating. And that that kind of eating robbed me of any of any joy in my life because there was always this thing I could point to. At first, of course, um, I, I had thought it was my weight that was the problem, and I didn't understand that the weight was the result of the compulsive eating. But the thing is that um, once I realized that it was the eating that was the problem, I couldn't, you know, I think many of you know my story or have known about me, but that I could not stop eating. I, I overate for years in this program, and I mean years. And I would go and get abstinent every once in a while for a year or two or two years, three years. And I'd think, well, this is it. I'm never going to eat again. And then one day I'd be eating again. And uh, I don't know 
how I was willing to do something so badly and to stick at it because I was one of those people who always got A's without studying. I just thought, you know, it should be easy. I should be able to do this. And I wasn't. Um, and I don't know why I stayed. And I think I stayed because I realized there was no other hope for, for stopping overeating, but in this program, there was no other persons or things who had described the phenomena of craving, who had, who had it let me know, which I already knew, that I was like an addict. I was a dope fiend with food. And um, if food, if, if I'd been addicted to any other substance the way I ate, I would have been dead at 25. And um, I just, I think today it's, a, it's a, an incredible miracle that I'm not overeating today. And I just think that I could never be grateful enough for that simple fact. And I know that some people maybe think it's the junior partner in the, in the you know, three-legged stool. Um, and oh, she has physical recovery, but she has no spiritual recovery. And as a newcomer, I didn't care what people were like. I cared that they told me they'd stopped eating. I, they could have just been the world's worst person and an ax murderer. I still felt that they had something to tell me because they had stopped the thing that I could not stop. And so I guess just because I'm so imperfect a person and I don't even know what it means to be spiritually fit, really. Um, maybe it's the ability to stay present in the present moment, despite all the distractions and despite my desire to worry and get things buttoned down in the future, which I can't do. And any attempt to try getting them buttoned down is just going to lead to more frustration. So um, what, am, what do I want to say? Um, I think that the gift of abstinence is there for everybody. And I don't think I have to be a spiritual giant to, to stop overeating. Um, if, if I did, then all the thousands and millions of people who've become sober in AA, I mean, what? <laughs> they wouldn't be able. And I remember there was this guy who would give talks at the open AA meetings and he would be really um, a character and he'd say, no matter how many, how long you've been sober and no matter how many 12 step calls you've gone on and how many books you've read, you will never, and he'd pause, rise above the rank of human being. And every time I do something really egregiously dumb, my first sponsor always used to say, join the human race, honey. And I don't know why it just makes me cry to remember her because she was able without any apparent effort, it seemed, to just have that very peaceful and um, 
simple response. And I remember once having been in an automobile accident and it, it was my fault. It was really, and I, I was so shaken and I came home and I called her and she said, well, dear, you made an error in judgment. And that's all she said. And, um, and I frequently make errors in judgment, don't we all? And errors in speech and errors in cleaning up the floor. I mean, it's just, that's the life. The, you know, I think, um, you know, not to invoke um, an outside uh, influence, but, um, you know, he who does nothing makes no mistakes. That is, um, well, I, anyway, it's a quotation. Um, and I think that it's like, welcome. I, I think um, the last time um, I was at a, a big OA thing in um, Southern California, somebody said, well, you know, you get up, you start the day. Are you ready to have the first of your 10,000 mistakes that you're going to make today? And, um, and that I think is really, really key. And one more thing that there's a, a very wonderful woman in Southern California who's been abstinent for over 40 years and maintaining over hundred pound weight loss and the sponsor of a lot of people. And, you know, people one day at, at the, um, she was a closing speaker at the convention and someone asked her, well, how have you been able to do this all these years? How have you been able to maintain this weight and this, maintain this recovery? And, you know, she did not say, I get down on my knees every day with the big book and, uh, you know, and I do the same things I do when I came in and I weigh and measure without exception. And I always say yes to service. She just said, you have to learn to live with your mistakes. And I think that is interesting that it's so hard to do that, given how frequently <laughs> we make mistakes. And that is why there's a 10th step. And the 10th step is miraculous in that way. It just says when we're wrong, promptly admit it. Next. And it does, it's not a big drama. It's an expectation that I will be frequently wrong. And then I get to say so. And I don't have to wring my hands and you know say mea culpa, mea culpa, and you know, 40 rosaries or whatever. Um, so I'm also just going to tell you all that in a, week, left. Five, five, in a week, I'm going to turn 80. And this is ridiculous as far as I can see. And um, on the occasion of my birthday, I will not have a cake. I will not, you know, I will go somewhere nice with some friends and you know, this year I um, was willing to reach out to people and tell them it was my birthday because I figure I'm just going to be resentful if nobody remembers and if nobody asks me to do anything and if nobody makes a big fuss over the fact that I've turned 80. So I just told people and I said, you know, 
blah, blah, blah. And, you know, so now I have some modest little plans, which I feel very grateful for. And it's just perfect. That's just perfect. And, you know, the older I get, the more conventional wisdom tells me I should, you know, be thinking about my security and my future. And um, I'm not good at that. I'm terrible at that. And then I want to say, well, wait a second, I have less of a future than I've ever had. Why should I be worrying more about it? I'm going to I'm going to be out of here sooner or later. Uh, and I just, but I can't, I really can't believe it. And I know if I had continued eating, I would not be here. Now, it's, it's dubious value that I am here, but still, um, I'm glad I didn't have to take myself out with food or anything else because I was a very, very, very unhappy camper when I came to this program. And um, I certainly did not make life easy for myself or for anyone who knew me. And I think the food was just, it was an all-purpose solvent. You know, it was the, <laughs> I don't even know, until I stopped eating, I didn't even know anything about why I might have eaten. Until I stopped eating, I didn't know that I had fear. Until I stopped eating, I didn't know I cared about other people and what they thought. I just thought I was like, you know, F you and the horse you came in on, you know. So, um, but it turns out I'm not that person. And I'm, I'm glad to have discovered that. And I think that that is really all I need to say that I'm profoundly, profoundly grateful to this program because I don't know how I would be alive if I started overeating again. And I don't know how I could bear to be alive if I were to start overeating again. And I think that that in and of itself, if I got, uh, yeah, if I got nothing else out of the program, if I got nothing else, that would be enough. But I've gotten to meet all of you and make friends with people. And that was not something I came thinking I needed or wanted. And I'm profoundly grateful for all of it. And I just, um, I just want to close there so that other people can share. And um, I think the, the topic could be, um, <laughs> the topic could be um, the tradition of the month is our primary purpose is to carry the message to the compulsive overheater still suffers. So I guess the, the question is, um, what gives you a sense of purpose? And what is the message you would carry to that person who still suffers? And, and anything you want to talk about, I mean, of course. And I'm so glad to see you all. Thank you.